This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to the top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile. 5G makes business sense. Good morning, you're listening to The Breakfast Grill. I'm Shazana Mukhtar. The Institute of Chartered Accountants in England and Wales, or the ICAEW, is one of the largest accounting professional bodies in the UK, with over 300,000 members worldwide. However, with the rapid advancement of technology and automation impacting the future of work, how well is the body preparing for radical changes in the profession? Joining me to discuss the trends and developments shaping the world of accounting is Michael Itza, Chief Executive of the ICAEW. Michael, good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Grill. Good morning. It's great to be here. Now, for the non-accountants like myself, the ICAEW is one serving of the alphabet soup that makes up the pool of accrediting bodies uh, for chartered accountants. I think the UK alone has seven bodies, if I'm not mistaken. So with so many options for accreditation available, both locally and internationally, why would a prospective member opt for the ICAEW, um, especially given the higher fees that you command? So the first thing to say is that there are many different qualifications and certifications and they all serve a purpose and they're all good in their own right. What we do, and we were the first national body in the world formed in 1880, is that we look to build individuals through examination, training and experience which we think is a unique blend which gives people a good platform to become the finance leaders of tomorrow. If your ambition is to be a bookkeeper, if your ambition is to be a management accountant, go somewhere else. We're actually looking at people who are going to be leading departments, leading, uh, leading companies, leading in whatever field they choose to take their transferable skills to. Mm. And, and that, I think, is also another important point. The ICAW qualification is literally a qualification that can take you anywhere. I mean, it's unlikely that you're going to end up in the purchase ledger. You, you, are, you are going to end up doing something interesting in your career. Based on the latest data from the Financial Reporting Council, and I'm comparing the ICAEW with the other uh, accounting professional bodies in the UK, it doesn't seem to be the preferred choice among students in the UK or among um, students abroad. I think the ACCA is far more popular among this cohort, and the ACCA also edges you out in terms of worldwide membership. Does this say something about the appeal of the ICAEW to uh, the younger generation and also to an international audience, or does the a body target or, or cater to a specific demographic of accountants? Well, we are the sixth largest accountancy body in the world. So we're, we're not a minority interest. Um, we, um, we do attract people who um, see themselves in a certain way. I mean, we don't want people who are going to be perpetual students. We want people who are going to qualify and progress with their career quickly. We do have a reputation for perhaps being more difficult than some of the other qualifications. Now, what I always say is we've got an awful lot of members who've already qualified, so it's hardly elitist. And what it actually takes is people who are willing to work hard, who are numerate. You don't, you don't even have to be brilliant at maths, but you have to be numerate. I mean, if you're frightened of numbers, this probably isn't for you. Uh, but we are also looking 
to attract people who are going to be able to move quickly through that phase. And we want to then give them skills like critical thinking, communication, problem solving, because those those are the things that are going to enable you to advance in whatever career you want to pursue. Can I just ask how large your membership is in Malaysia? So our membership in Malaysia is just under 2,000 members and 1,200 students. Okay. You don't have a reciprocal membership arrangement with Malaysia, if I'm not mistaken. Um, You do have one with Australia, New Zealand, Canada, Hong Kong, South Africa. um, And there's a pathway to membership via the Malaysian Institute of Certified Public Accountants. Um, But has a reciprocal arrangement been explored with Malaysian bodies or are there reasons that this hasn't really materialized? So with MICPA and MIA, we work closely and collaboratively with both of them. I mean, an ICAW member can join MIA. Uh, MICPA, we are exploring what we might be able to do together. And I would say, watch this space. But just next door, I mean, we have a full reciprocal with ISCA in Singapore. And we're one of a few bodies in the world that have that. So um, we'd be we'd be keen to do the same in Malaysia. Mm, what are you looking at, I guess, to have that reciprocal arrangement? What needs to be in place for that to happen? For the reciprocal arrangement to be in place, we need to be sure that the qualifications have parity. And that's what we're constantly working on, because a qualification is not uh, set in stone. It's constantly evolving. The things that are being examined are always changing. Mm. So we, we look at we look at doing this and, and it changes all the time. So just to give you an example, one of the one of the reciprocals we've recently signed this summer is with the Institute of Chartered Accountants in Pakistan. Now I can tell you when I started as uh, chief exec uh, we didn't think that their qualification uh, would be able to do that. And they had to do a whole series of top-up modules to get from where they were in Pakistan to ICAW. They they have made a number of changes to their curriculum, completely revamped, and we are happy. Mm. We're happy to recognise it as equivalent. And they've been very happy to take that recognition. <laughs> Could you give us a hint of, I guess, the kind of revamp that the Malaysian side needs to do to have that sort of reciprocal arrangement? I wouldn't be I wouldn't be across the detail of that, but I don't think it's very far away. We're not talking about a chasm. We're talking about a small step. I would like to uh, turn our attention to some of the criticism that the governing bodies of chartered accountancy like ICAW um, has received in that uh, you haven't really done enough to change the stereotype of the boring accountant and make the profession more attractive to younger generation. Um, Accountant shortages are being reported across so many countries, the US, UK, Australia, even here. Is this the result of young people shying away from from an accounting career, do you think? Oh, oh, not at all. I mean... 2022, as you'll have seen from that FRC report that you quoted, was a record intake for the ICAW, the highest ever. Let me give you the breaking news. To the end of August, we're 30% up on a record year. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, 2023 is going to be another record year. So there's a number of things driving this. I mean, first of all, um, we are gaining share. Uh, more people are choosing to follow our designation as opposed to others. But it's there is no evidence that either among the graduate population or the school leaver population, we are, we are failing to attract people as we've done historically. So why now, is... Now, it's interesting that when you look at why there are some of these global shortages, 
you have to look at how you train to be an accountant in those countries. In the United States, since 2017, the undergraduate population pursuing a course in accountancy is down 20%. In the United States, to train to be a CPA, which is another designation and very respected, you have to have an undergraduate accounting degree. So you know when those people start their undergraduate degree what your pipeline is that is going to qualify in four years' time. In the UK, we're different. We take graduates from all backgrounds, and we always have done. So about 40% of our graduate population worldwide have done an accountancy degree. 60% haven't. Now, we think that is really important because what it brings is a diversity into the profession. Mm. Think of it, if you like, that our funnel is wider Mm -hmm. going in. Mm. The other thing that we do in the UK that um, some other countries don't do is we take school leavers. Now, you do do that in Malaysia. They haven't done that in the United States historically, Mm. but they're now starting to do it. So the United States has just started an apprenticeship route, which looks amazingly similar to the UK route. So the, the US is also exploring how it brings people in when their first degree was not accounting. Australia is looking at doing the same, so is South Africa. So some of these uh, countries recognising the talent entry funnel has been too narrow is now seeking to broaden it. Now, when you take someone who has done a music degree and you take them into an accountancy firm day one, you need to treat them differently Mm. than people who've done a three-year undergraduate degree because their level of knowledge is, is is not as high. But our examination results after three years show no difference between a relevant graduate and a non-relevant graduate. So that gap is closed pretty quickly. So, you know, I would just I would just encourage people to be diverse in their thinking. I'm speaking to Michael Idza, the uh, chief executive of the ICAEW. When we come back, uh, we are going to discuss the tackling waning public trust in the accounting profession and also their role in sustainability. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G makes business sense. Thanks for staying tuned to The Breakfast Grill. I'm Shazana Mokhtar and with me today is Michael Itza, Chief Executive of the Institute of Chartered Accountants in England and Wales, or the ICAEW, one of the largest professional accounting bodies in the UK. Earlier, we were uh, talking about the issue of uh, shortages of accountants, which you did address, but I did want to ask whether you see a risk to the profession itself as a result of technology and artificial intelligence. So I think the rise of generative AI, uh, the talk about automation, this has sparked furious debate over the types of jobs that can survive. Uh, And accounting is arguably one of the careers on the chopping block, given uh, some of the things that accountants are required to do. Do you ever see a future where AI will replace accountants? So first of all, it's very difficult to have a discussion with uh, some of the major accounting firms or indeed the finance departments of a multinational without talking about how are we going to apply generative AI and large language model technology to our business. I think that um, we've, we've moved to have a, ma- a more mature discussion about this because in the early part of the year, everyone was getting overly excited. 
We've been looking at how it's actually going to be applied, what the use cases look like. And indeed, there are some interesting applications uh, that I think are going to make, first of all, the role of a chartered accountant more interesting. They're definitely going to take away some of the more uh, routine, repetitive, transactional uh, uh, work that we do. And um, I think that that will be for the better. Mm. What I don't see anytime soon is chartered accountants being replaced in their entirety. It's going to change the job that we do. It's interesting that people said as people started using technology in, for example, the audit area, we would see fewer people uh, employed. Now, that's been a journey that we've been on for a number of years now. The consequence of that, and it's one of the reasons why when you refer earlier to the global shortage, we're getting this issue, is that you actually need more people, not less. Now, the reason why is because if you'd done an audit 15 years ago, you'd have taken a sample of invoices to look to see whether the processes and the internal controls that a company operated were in place. Now, let's say you took a sample of 100. And this was, this was what was uh, affectionately called ticking and bashing. Okay? Today, instead of taking a sample, you would select the whole data set. You'd look at all the invoices that a multinational, for example, or an SME would use in, a, in the accounting period under review. I mean, we are really talking about large data manipulation exercises now. So we need more technologists to help extract that data, make sure that it's 100% accurate before people start working on it. When you actually use AI uh, to, to actually look at that data set, it will throw up all the anomalies in that data pool. So let's say you used to look at 100, you might get 1,000 anomalies today. And those 1,000 anomalies need to be looked at to explain why they don't fit the pattern that you expected to see. That requires more work. So technology hasn't actually produced less work. It's produced a different, a different type of interrogation of the data. Now, what that should lead to, I hope, we all hope, is a better quality audit work. It should mean we have more confidence and more reliance on the work that we do. But, but what, it, what it doesn't do yet is saving labour. Mm. Now, that may come at some point in the future, but it's not here yet. The application of this to the work that they do is not going to be tomorrow. Mm. It's going to be over a period of time. And, and that's probably going to be years. So in that sense, you have some breathing room, I suppose, in, in, the, in the way technology is evolving in order to prepare your membership for those kinds of changes. Correct. What is the ICAW doing in order to make sure that chartered accountants get ahead of AI in terms of upskilling or reskilling or just prepping their knowledge uh, for this change? Well, when you've got a large membership, you've got different levels of knowledge uh, among that body. So if you look at our members who might have qualified let's say, 15 years ago, uh, they aren't what I would call digital natives. So we, we have developed support and courses for them. We actually have a, a, a nine-module series called Finance in a Digital World that we developed with an organisation called Deloitte, who might be familiar to some of your listeners. Uh, other firms are available. And um, 
that that module takes someone through everything that they need to know about uh, business in the world today. And we're about to update that again mm. for finding since we originally created the module. So they've been looking at blockchain, cybersecurity, robotic process automation, generative AI. Uh, so taking people through each of those modules. The generation who are coming through today already have a lot of technology in their examination. So, for example, we partner with an organization called Inflow. And within a number of our exams, we actually give our candidates just data. And we say, take this data and write a report. Something that's more akin to what they'd actually do in the workplace. Mm. It's already much closer to the workplace environment that they would be experiencing. Now, we're about to uh, do a major overhaul of our qualification because you're right, uh, we, we, have a, we have a period of time in which to make changes for the next wave. And we're going to be making a considerable investment and we'll be consulting with employers here in Malaysia and around the world to get their views mm. on what a qualification and what skills does it, does it need to give young people so that they're as productive and successful as possible tomorrow. Okay, so there's this sort of moment of uh, reflection, re reckoning, just rebalancing uh, what it is that the skills a person needs. And, and it's really difficult because we don't have a crystal ball. Mm. One of the skills that uh, I think is related to this is you've always been very vocal about the need for accountants to rise to the demands of ESG and sustainability. And I'm just wondering, what is the role that you are advocating for this profession? I mean, are you looking for accountants uh, to have a role in um, ESG disclosures just as they do with financial disclosures? Is that how you see uh, the profession evolving? Yes, but much more than that. So in 2006... I became chief executive of the ICAW. And part of my pitch was that the accountancy profession is going to need to be on the top of its game to help the world transition to net zero. I think today um, that, was, um, that was absolutely on the money. Now, I wasn't the first person to say that. I mean, I was, I was standing on the shoulders of giants and you know, saying that we've got a role to play here. And of course... Um, our Prince of Wales, now King Charles, was, was a leading advocate at the time. What he said is that chartered accountants are going to save the world. And the reason he said that is because as economies transition to net zero, which various governments around the world have committed to and given a date by which they'll do it, what the economy needs to do is plan how it's going to do that, because it doesn't happen overnight. Some people might say some economies are already making very slow progress on this, and I'll come back to that in a minute if I may. But if you think about what the accountancy profession do better than anybody else, we measure, report, and assure. Mm. With those things then at your fingertips, you can make better, more informed business decisions and that's actually what businesses are going to need to make the transition from where they are today to the business models of the future. And when we look at the transitions that companies are going to have to make, some of those are pretty fundamental. This isn't going to happen without a great deal of planning. And the chartered accountant, whether it's the CFO, the finance department, the consultants advising, the auditors assuring, have all got a big role to play in that. Mm. Can we turn to... 
an issue with the accounting profession in that um, of recent years, it has been tarnished by the numerous scandals that have cropped up. I mean, we're living the consequences of the 1MDB corruption case in Malaysia. Uh, there have been other cases just earlier this year in Australia with PwC, uh, the tax scandal. I'm wondering what you think this says about the integrity of the accounting profession, I suppose, and, and how you think they need to respond to this. So what it, um, what it says about the accountancy profession is that we have an important job and from time to time um, we won't be able to achieve what people expect of us and when we uh, fall short we have to be accountable and we have to learn from those mistakes and improve. It's not unique to any country of the world because I think every country of the world uh, has probably got something that it can point to in the UK. I mean, we, we had a, a particular corporate collapse called Carillion. And interestingly, the politicians said, where were the auditors? Now, what then transpired in three inquiries that took place in the years afterwards was that a reform package was agreed and there was widespread support for that reform package, which, by the way, has not yet been implemented. And we're talking in 2023. Carillion collapsed in January 2018. But what has happened is that we have moved to a much more mature discussion. And that discussion goes along the lines of who runs the company. The company is run by management. Who are management responsible to? Directors. Who gives assurance to the external world that directors are stewarding the company as the investors would hope them to be, the auditors? Who supervises the auditors and their work? Regulators. So there's a, there's a chain there and everybody needs to do their bit. Mm. And if accountants were deficient, accountants need to sort it out. If directors were deficient, they need to sort it out. If management weren't running the business as they should, they need to be accountable. So I think there's a much more mature discussion going on. Now, has it, has it affected trust in the profession? Uh, of course it affects trust in the profession. But does it stop young people uh, applying to the profession? Does it stop business using the accountancy profession for advice? Absolutely not. Now, I can tell you, this is a, this is a BFM scoop um, on October the 18th, which is International Ethics Day. We're going to be um, releasing, with a number of other accountancy bodies around the world, surveys that we've been doing in 2023 with Edelman. So Edelman, you'll be familiar with from the Edelman Trust Barometer. So uh, an audience of finance and business uh, people were asked a series of questions about uh, various professions. And... Uh, Spoiler: the uh, the second the second most trusted profession was chartered accountants. We were second only to doctors and nurses, so the medical profession. We were significantly ahead of lawyers, and um, I won't tell you where journalists and politicians were. <laughs> but but you know that 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 sort of still points to the fact that. Uh, notwithstanding mistakes which were recognised and are being corrected, uh, the accountancy profession is still highly trusted. All right, let's end on this question then, Michael. You've helmed the ICAEW for almost 20 years. You are planning to step down uh, at the end of this year. What do you see as your legacy to the professional body? 
the ICAW is in great shape. So whether it has Michael Itzer as its chief executive or another person, you know, the the work of the ICAW will go on. I mean, I see my role as chief executive as stewardship for a particular period, and we all want to hand it on to our successor in a better state than we found it. Now, I hope... I hope I can say that uh, I am doing that. So when the uh, when the ICAW when I started as chief executive, the ICAW we had one hundred twenty seven thousand members. Today we've got one hundred seventy thousand members. When I started, we had just under ten thousand students studying for the ACA. At the moment, we have got thirty six thousand. By the end of this year, I think we'll be close to forty thousand. Uh, we were focused on the UK. Today, we're very much an international body. If you if you look at um, who people say is the leading accountancy body in the world, um, I'd like to think they'll say the ICAW is second to none. And, and I think that's, that's a great position to, to leave to my successors. This is an interesting time, though, to be leaving, because there are so many things happening, like technology, sustainability, ESG reporting. And one of the things uh, I am going to be doing next is I've been appointed a professor. So I'm going to be uh, a professor in practice at Durham University Business School, and I'm going to be helping them with technology and sustainability mm. and, and how the academics are going to interact with professionals, because... That interface between academics and professionals is incredibly important. You know, they, the academics have to understand what's happening in the real world at the cutting edge and then do their work based on that. Neither can, neither can act independently of the other. So I hope I'm going to continue to play an important role in the profession going forward. Michael, thank you very much for speaking with me today. Thank you very much. I've been speaking to Michael. It's the chief executive of the ICAEW. This has been The Breakfast Grill on BFM 89.9. The BFM Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G makes business sense. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.